0: what's going on fellas ladies and gentlemen fellas 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 welcome back to the channel today we are continuing the wide receiver ranks videos today we're going to be going 17 through 20 so we're going to get through the top 20 wide receivers i will put up the current rankings that we've done through three previous videos and you can check all those out after this one I have a huge playlist on fantasy football 2020 so whenever you're actually getting in digging into some of the fantasy stuff for your league in 2020 in this year check out that whole entire playlist you can also check out the draft guide which is now going to be even cheaper for people it's likely going to be 60. 6% off of what it was last year when it was $30. Now it's probably going to be down to somewhere around $10. You can see the promo code as of right now is going to be sal free over on monkey night fight for that. But welcome, welcome. And if you are brand new here, and even if you're not take off your shoes, please take them off and relax. Sit down. This time right now is for you. There's no stress. It's you. You can enjoy yourself. This is a form of entertainment, but it's also going to educate yourself on what to expect for the season, not to just take some of the preconceived biases that you might have from bad information or just from something that you saw in a game, because What you see in a game on the field is just a very small fraction of what's actually happening in that game that you can't actually account for. And that's what my job is to do here is to sort of just paraphrase as the best that I can in depth this stuff, but present it in a way that is very highly informative for you and something that you're going to take away from this. And you're going to be better than your league mates and be more prepared than your league mates when you watch most of these videos coming into the season. So thank you so much for being here. And there's going to be a huge subscribe button that pops up. Please do smash that subscribe button and the notification bell. And if you can hit the like button, take one second, just hit that little button. It really does help me reach more people it's likely how you got to see my videos. And at the end of this video, I will read the comments of the day and or the podcast review of the day, prioritizing the podcast reviews from the previous video. So we're going to be waiting and seeing what people say on the previous video. And we'll be saying that at the end, just wait for me to give back. Appreciate the people who take the time to comment, say some nice things in the podcast reviews. So if you're listening on the podcast, be sure to do one over there. I will prioritize those at the end of the video, give you a shout out. Now, like I said, sit back, relax, take your shoes off. We're going to have a question of the day for you today. And that question of the day is, would you rather have keen and allen or tyler lockett for the 2020 fantasy football season ppr formats let me know and let me know your reasoning down below in the comment section appreciate these questions of the day they're really engaging and also the discord has been highly engaging if you have not really got a chance to understand what discord is it's just a way in a place where people just communicate chat like a group texting app but different channels in general there's over 100 people in there there's going to be a lot more once the season comes it's totally free if you want to get in it is linked down below we're talking nfl we're talking fantasy football we're talking just free agency trades all that stuff whenever it happens the drafts so get down in there if you were interested in that totally free come ask any of your questions share some of your ideas in there so what do you say we get into it with the brand new buffalo bill my wide receiver 17 for ppr formats 2020 Stefan Diggs. Now, Stefan Diggs is currently going as the wide receiver 21 in terms of average draft position, according to Fantasy Pro's average draft position. Now, if you're watching this video a month from now, be sure to check the timestamps of when I'm creating this video, because yes, he can drop down. He can go up. So instead of putting comments in the comment section, like a lot of people are doing for videos that were released a month ago right now, i mine, saying this is nowhere near where he's actually going. Just take, check the timestamps. Take a little second, step back, breathe, relax. And before you go all got him mode on the internet, just check the timestamps. But Stefan Diggs last year, 15 games in 2019 put the Minnesota Vikings. He played on 83% of the snaps, 63 receptions, but over 1,100 yards. The man was just absolutely efficient. And if you can't already see from just having 63 receptions, normally to produce an 1,100 yard season or so, you're going to be in the 70s at the very least. He does it in the low 60s. So you can be pretty sure that he was getting a lot done on deep passes. He had 93 overall targets, which is a 21.9% target share. Only a 10.9% red zone share kind of tells you what his role was on this team. We're not using him that much. We're not targeting him in the red zone. We're giving him a lot of deep yards and deep passes. 14.3 fantasy points per game. And here you go. Fifth in the NFL with 28 deep targets thrown his way. 17.9 yards per reception was sixth in the NFL. And he led all Vikings receiver with a 41% market share of air yards. That is from when the ball was released at the line of scrimmage to where the ball actually touched down and hit the ground or hit the receiver's hands. That was number one in the NFL for a market share of your team's air yards. His 12.1 yards per target were 12th in the league. And he had 2.3 fantasy points per target, which was six. So you could pretty easily see based on these stats that he relied very heavily on big plays, plays of 20 or more yards. And I'll throw up Matthew Barry's tweet right now from April 5th of this year, just throwing out a stat that Stefan Diggs, out of all players that relied on passes of 25 or more yards, he was number one in the league that had his fantasy points tied to those receptions with 42.6% of his fantasy points coming on plays of 25 plus yards. That could also include touchdowns on those or not. And you can see it was pretty far ahead of the field with Kenny Galladay coming in second, and he was almost 7% higher in terms of his points that came on those plays then Kenny Galladay, who's a known deep threat and known deep ball getter. So He was tied to Kirk Cousins last year, and he won't be tied to him this year, but Kirk Cousins last year, one of the most accurate and efficient quarterbacks in the entire league. Fifth in true passer rating. You can see the stats I'm throwing up right now. I mean, he was top 10 in pretty much all the areas that matter, whether it's adjusted yards per attempt, all these accuracy ratings between play action and red zone and pressure rating. So he was playing with a very efficient quarterback who did throw the ball deep to him a good amount. As I said, the 28 times, which was fifth best in the league for Stefan Diggs. Now, Steph Diggs gets traded in a major way in terms of the draft picks and all the capital that was given up for Stefan Diggs to Buffalo, where Josh Allen in 2019 was actually top 10 and really top eight, eighth overall in deep ball attempts with 4.5 per game. That's good for Stefan Diggs. He was number one in accuracy between 10 and 20 yards, Josh Allen last year. Now everybody's knock on Josh Allen was he's not accurate. He's not accurate just in general. And really, if you break down his stats, he hasn't been accurate when he's targeting bad wide receivers. Other than that, he's been pretty good. Now look at Evan Silva's tweet for just proof of this. Evan Silva says of May Evan Silva says on May 22nd of this specific year, 2020, that Josh Allen, he's been terrible when targeting Zay Jones, Andre Holmes, and Calvin Benjamin. Those are wide receivers who are terrible outside of Calvin Benjamin's rookie season before he gets hurt with Cam Newton. Outside of that, all these wide receivers have been absolutely terrible. Zay Jones, one of the worst wide receivers in the league when he was in Buffalo, and especially last year when he got traded to the Raiders, literally one of the worst efficiency wide receivers in the entire league. So Josh Allen averaged 5.8 yards per attempt, only six touchdowns, and a 45% completion percentage when targeting those three receivers in his career. But when he's targeting everybody else, he has a 59% completion percentage, a 6.8 yards per attempt, the number Comes up by one and then 24 touchdowns. So that's in the past two seasons, which is a good chunk of it. If you're targeting three really inefficient wide receivers, who usually it's probably their fault, then yours, especially when you can see the data when he's targeting guys like John Brown, when he's targeting guys like Cole Beasley and McKenzie out there, it, it just gets a little bit better for him. Now you're going to have likely, if not the best route runner in the league, definitely up there as a top three or four route runner with the names of Devontae Adams, with the names of Keenan Allen on your team. And you were the most accurate quarterback between 10 and 20 yards last year, and you were improving overall. Yeah. I like that a lot. Now you can see just the overall accuracy, deep ball accuracy, 33rd in the league third and 33rd in true completion percentage. That's the issue. It's taking that next step forward. It's being accurate in all phases of the field. He was number one between 10 and 20 yards last year. But once you start going with the deep ball, although he was throwing them at a top, t- top eight rate, it wasn't all that accurate. And really it's hard to be when you have an undersized receiver and John Brown as your only deep threat target. Other than that, he was throwing it to a converted running back in McKinsey, Isaiah McKinney last year. And then he was throwing it to rookies in Dawson Knox down the field, a good amount. And it should be worth noting that Dawson Knox, he saw a ton of deep ball targets. And really I'll jump to Dawson Knox stats, from last year right now, but Dawson Knox last year saw 10 deep targets for a tight end. That was sixth in the league, but Dawson Knox also led every single tight end with a 12% drop rate. So these things factor into Josh Allen looking more inaccurate. And I'm not going to sit on my high horse and say that he's just as accurate as Kirk Cousins. He's not, but when you're the most accurate between 10 and 20 yards, and now you acquire a elite technician in route running and Stefan Diggs paired with a deep threat in that a very a unique mix for Stefan Diggs. And then you start to look into the numbers that yes, a lot of these deep targets and maybe five, six, seven of them were actually drops last year, but that's going to make it a look worse on Josh Allen's accuracy? No, that's just a flat out drop that's on the receiver's end. So these are the types of things that you have to actually look at and break down to try and get an idea of what was really happening out there. A lot of the time, stats will hold some noise until you add some human context to say, hmm, let's pull that out of there because that doesn't actually add up and that shouldn't affect somebody's completion percentage. So what did the Bills do in the offseason outside of acquiring, obviously, stuff on Diggs? Well, they improved their offensive line by getting Darrell Williams and Evan Boheme. They got Tywan Jones' running back depth and then mainly they did stuff in the NFL draft outside of just reducing and really dropping off Frank Gore, who had now signed with the New York Jets and he's 55 years old and he's probably going to still get 150 carries. But in the NFL draft, ended up getting Zach Moss, Gabriel Davis, who went in the fourth round, who honestly in most drafts probably would have been a third round wide receiver, but this one was just so deep. So I don't think he will be a a pure factor this year. But once John Brown's contracts up, potentially even once Cole Beasley's contract up in two years, I believe Gabriel Davis is likely going to be more of a threat in this offense, but not for right now. And they went and got some more depth at quarterback and also Isaiah Hodgins, a sixth round wide receiver. So really the draft did not do anything for really me to say that this is going to be fantastic or worse for Stefan Diggs. If anything, it just makes the offense overall better. If you're going to add Zach Moss, maybe be a little bit more efficient in the red zone than they were last year when Frank Gore was seeing 37% of the red zone touches. And if you're looking at the durability for Stefan Diggs, he has had these nagging groin injuries starting in 2016. He missed two games with a, a groin injury. 2017, he misses two games with a groin injury. Last year, he misses a groin slash hamstring he misses a game with. So he's missed a game, at least one game every single year since 2016. That's not that abnormal. Like you would like to see him play a full season, but he's been playing 15 games in the past two seasons and then 2017 and 16 he played in 14 games so he's not missing any crazy amount of time he's not missing the entire season these six eight game stretches so he does have these nagging injuries but he usually plays through them when he does play through them though it tends not to be absolutely the best situation for him and it makes sense you don't want to overdo it on a strained groin or hamstring because that's when you start to tear things so what does the target competition look like for Stefan Diggs well mainly John Brown who played as the X receiver last year who was really good not only in the deep part of the field but also the intermediate and short distance John Brown became a complete wide receiver last year my opinion. You also have Cole Beasley and the rookie last year, but now second year tight end Dawson Knox. John Brown in 2019 had 72 receptions, actually hit over a thousand yards and six touchdowns as the wide receiver one on this team. He saw 25.7% target share on 115 targets, 14.7 fantasy points per game. Now he saw 28 deep targets, the exact same amount as Stefan Diggs. So that's good to see. They chucked it deep to their number one wide receiver. Insert maybe Stefan Diggs there this year and should be pretty good. He was eighth in completed air yards, seventh in total target distance. So he was really a deep threat out there while also working these underneath routes. And now you have Stefan Diggs coming out there in the prime of his career at 26 and a half years old, who is a much better deep intermediate and short route runner. Nothing against John Brown. I think he's great, but then John Brown and John Brown's now going to be playing a perfect role that Stefan Diggs was playing last year at Minnesota. And now you're inserting Steph Diggs into there. I kind of like it. Now, John Brown's role could have been even better if not for just bad targets. And that's where the Josh Allen deep ball accuracy comes into play. You can see right here, Graham Barfield's tweet. He was bottom five in accuracy targets last year on a minimum of a hundred targets. He had a 52.4% accuracy target targets thrown his way on his overall targets. And a lot of those 28 total, well, more than a quarter of them or so, were going to come from the deep balls alone. And then also a lot of those are from the short range. So you can see compared to the other receivers in the league, Odell with Baker Mayfield, offensive line play, there was a big issue. Curtis Samuel, uh, quarterback play was just a big issue there. Robbie Anderson, quarterback play mixed with also just the offensive line. There's a trend here for a lot of these guys, Cortland Sutton with Drew Lock down the stretch, really just tank that and then also just shaky quarterback play in between. And the thing that you can point to John Brown for is just Josh Allen's overall not fantastic accuracy so it seems like when i'm breaking this down that oh josh allen is accurate oh he's not no i'm saying that he's not that accurate but he's not as inaccurate as people think that he is overall in my opinion so this is what you can see here just john brown could have had an even better season if it was for just a little bit more accuracy from josh allen and i don't see why he can't take that step forward this season as he did last year to a good extent especially in that intermediate range of 10 to 20 yards cole beasley in 2019 operating as the primary slot receiver did see 105 targets he caught 67 for 778 yards and six touchdowns he saw 23.4 percent target share 12.1 fantasy points per game and then the rookie last year Dawson Knox the tight end was really their third pass catching threat if you factor out running backs maybe even if even if you keep running backs in there as he caught 28 balls for 338 yards and two touchdowns he saw 10 deep targets like we were saying that was sixth in the league for all tight ends so they were pushing this rookie down the field he saw an 11.2 percent overall target share he had 13.9 yards per reception that was third most in the league so not only was John Brown getting down the field and boogieing, also Dawson Knox was like this team's number two deep threat but then Dawson Knox is a rookie led all tight ends and drop percentage 12.1%, which negatively is reflected on Josh Allen's accuracy improperly. But now you're going to be putting in, instead of having John Brown and Dawson Knox as this team's deep threats, it's now going to be Stefan Diggs and John Brown. That is a huge, huge upgrade from going from Dawson Knox as your a top two deep threat to now Stefan Diggs inserted into it. So I like Stefan Diggs. I'm a little bit higher than the market on him. I think people are just automatically assuming that he, he, Josh Allen can't throw the ball and that this is going to be a worse situation for him. I don't know. I, I don't think that it does. I have met my wide receiver 17. I'm not that high over market. He's the wide receiver 21 off the board right now. Um, according to fantasy pros, but I'm fine with it. So I'm, I'm okay getting to Stefan Diggs this year at the wide receiver 17 as of this recording. Before we continue, big old subscribe button just popped up. If you like that Steph Diggs analysis, I got three more receivers to get us to wide receiver 20 today. So please do hit that subscribe button and hop into the Discord, get some chatter in there, ask me any questions that you would like. Also, the community in there will be great and has been fantastic at answering questions as well. Let's get into our wide receiver 18. The wide receiver 18 for me this year is going to be Cooper Cup, and he's currently going as the wide receiver 12 according to fantasy pros ADP data, average draft position that is way too high in my opinion. If you've watched my past videos, my current wide receiver 12 is his teammate, Robert Woods. I'm very high on Robert Woods, who's currently going outside the top 20. This is one of the best value spots as of right now that you'll find in all of fantasy football. If you're watching this video a month or two from now, and it's Robert Woods going in the top 15, and then you comment and say, this is not where he's going. No, at this point right now in time, he was going outside the top 20, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup was going inside the top 12. And really to start the year, Cooper Cup is a borderline top 10 wide receiver pick for many people. But I have a lot of concerns. I also think he's good though. Like these concerns, just relative to being a top 12 receiver, he's still a top 20 guy for me. So let's look back at last year before we start to talk about some of the major concerns for him heading into 2020. Cooper Cup played all 16 games last year. He played on 80.5% of the snaps, caught 94 balls on 134 targets, had 10 touchdowns, was one of only, I believe, two or three receivers to actually see 10 touchdowns. I think two receivers, but overall, when you factor in tight ends, three overall pass catchers to see 10 touchdowns last year, which is actually pretty shocking. 21.8% target share, but then in the red zone, 29.2%. That was elite company, top 12 in the league. Now the Rams threw the ball the sixth most times per game last year at 40.9. He was seventh in receptions, 11th in targets. You can see sort of this breakdown profile right now on the screen, 11th in receptions, fourth in yards after the catch, which is something that his teammate Robert Woods was also really good at. He had 16.9 fantasy points per game, which was seventh in the league and 16 red zone receptions was third in the NFL with the 12th overall rated target share of that 29.2%. Now he was tied to Jared Goff, who he's very, very close with off the field. And last year, Jared Goff led the league, co-led the league with Jameis Winston with 626 attempts. That broke down to 39.1 per game for Goff. He was 10th in the league with 75 red zone attempts, and he had 4,639 yards, which was third in the league, 15.5 fantasy points per game. However, only ranked 20th in the league because these games kind of went up and down. He had some interceptions. He had some really, really bad games of less than 100 yards. Not great overall, but when you just factor in how he was able to sustain his receivers, it was good. Now, this is where the things start to get scary. Cooper Cup's role changed down the stretch last season. Let me throw up right now the snap percentage on the entire year. The first number that you're seeing for Robert Woods is 73. That's the amount of snaps that he played. The bottom number is 95. Percent. That's what percentage of those snaps overall he was on the field for. So you can see below that week one, Cooper Cup played 90% of the snaps. Anything for a wide receiver at like 90 plus percent is very good. 95 plus percent is very elite, actually. But now start to look towards the back end of the season and I'll circle the final four games. These final four games and really the final five games is when the Los Angeles Rams start to go into 12 personnel. Now, 12 personnel means you have two tight ends on the field, two receivers, and just one running back. So 12 personnel is what they started to implement a little bit more. And when you have two wide receivers on the field, it means you have two outside receivers on the field, not a slot wide receiver, where Cooper Cup was primarily playing the slot on this team. So you can see starting in week five, his snaps dipped from being at 98% for back-to-back weeks to going to 72%, to then going to 29% in one of the oddest and most extreme cases of 12 personnel in a primetime game where Cooper Cup just wasn't on the field really at all in that game highlighted by the 29% that you can see right there, and he gets back up to 92%, and then they close out the season with 61% and 61%. This was concerning, because in four of those final five weeks, his role was not phased out by any means, but very severely reduced in terms of, in three of those weeks, he was playing 30 plus percent less snaps than he was for the majority of the season. Whereas you can see his teammate, Robert Woods, above him, and one of the bigger reasons why I like Robert Woods more this year, was not affected by 12 personnel. 12 personnel came in, and Robert Woods' role improved, right? He was playing 67, 85% of the snaps, in the two previous weeks before they started rolling out 12 personnel and then he starts playing 99 100 195 of the snaps he just stayed on the field for almost every single snap literally did in weeks 15 and 16 playing 100 of the snaps so this is an issue for sure for me and if cooper cup does actually stay on the field in 12 personnel it's going to actually bring up another concern that you're going to have and you can this can be highlighted right now through matt Harmon's tweet he's the creator of reception perception you can follow him on twitter pretty much cooper cup What this chart that you're looking at right now is saying is cooper cup in the past two seasons and really since he's coming to the NFL has not had any success and has not even had the opportunity to have success against press coverage. When you play out of the slot, you don't see press coverage a lot. It means the defender is right there up on the line of scrimmage against you. This is not going to happen when you're playing in the slot because it's just a really big disadvantage for the defender because you can use both sides of the field. Whereas on the outside, the defender can play press coverage to try and get a bump on you off the line of scrimmage to get an advantage there because they pretty much know you're only going to go one way more times than not if they set themselves up properly. The out of bounds marker is their friend if you are a defender. And then you could also see in the last corner of this chart. He was doubled in 0% of his snaps in 2018 and 2.2% of his snaps in 2019. So, double coverage is going to happen a lot more on the outside. He faced a zone defense so, so much because when you're playing in the slot, you're going to just see more zone coverages in the middle of the field. Somewhere around 67, 68% of the time in that green number on the screen in his first two seasons, did not play against a lot of man coverage, and that press coverage number is concerning. Less than 10% of his snaps the last two seasons have faced press coverage. You're going to see on average on the outside much, much more than that. So, the concern is, will Cooper find the same success that he's been having in the slot against zone defenses now when he's forced to play on the outside against press man coverage against some of the best cornerbacks in the league my short answer is I don't know. And if my short answer is, I don't know, and I don't feel confident in that, how can I have him as a top 12 receiver, just assuming he's going to produce in the same way when his entire role is changing into an unproven role for himself. So towards the end of the season, in the three weeks where they ran the most 12 personnel, the Rams, which was weeks 14, 16, and 17 in those weeks, Cooper cup only averaged six targets per game, 5.3 receptions for 54 yards per game. He was averaging nine targets per week, every single week before that. So they dropped by three targets per week. He was not getting anywhere near the same yardage totals while Robert Woods on the outside was averaging 6.5 receptions per week, almost one and a half more than cup, and nine and a half targets per week, three and a half more than cup. What does that tell you? Robert Woods was actually getting separation on the outside because he knows how to play on the outside, whereas Cooper Cup was struggling to play on the outside and/or was just not on the field. If you take one thing away from this video, it's what I just told you in those past two things. Cooper Cup was coming off the field, so his role was being phased out. And when he was on the field, he was struggling to get separation against press and man coverage last season. Now I'll throw up what the Rams did in the offseason because there's no more Brandon Cooks, there's no more Todd Gurley, and there's no more depth wide receivers, as you can see from their subtractions. And then in the NFL draft. They did add K makers, which I think he will play a big role in the team this year. And then they did add Van Jefferson, who will likely compete with Josh Reynolds for the wide receiver three job. But in terms of Cooper cup right now, it looks like Robert Woods and cup are going to be put out there in two wide receiver sets, but there's a good chance like they did last year. If Cooper cup starts to struggle the first month or two of the season on the outside, they might have to just be forced back into 11 personnel, or you might see some less actual usage of Cooper Cup on the outside, and he takes more snaps off. And Instead of playing 95% of the snaps to 100%, like Robert Woods was playing and has been playing for his time in the Rams, Cooper Cup might get knocked down to 70%. And now you're seeing a role reduction, not only a role change. So these are the concerns that actually have me ranking him outside my top 15 right now. Now, The target competition is going to be Robert Woods, as we've talked about, Tyler Higby, Josh Reynolds, the rookie Van Jefferson, and then likely Gerald Everett, if you really wanted to go down the list, he is their second tight end. Now Robert Woods in 2019 had 92.9 Percent of the snaps was just on the field a ton. He actually saw 140 targets, leading this team with a 23.4% target share when you factor in the pure volume of his targets. He was sixth in the NFL in routes run, eighth in targets, and eighth in receptions. You can check out the previous video, the top 16 wide receivers video, to actually see Robert Woods ranked there as my number 12 wide receiver this season. He was second in the NFL. His teammate Cooper Cup, who we're talking about, was fourth in yards after the catch, with 560 yards after the catch, and he played 35% of his slot snaps out of the slot last year. Robert Woods did. That is good to see that versatility and elite usage out of the slot, in my opinion. Tyler Higby, I've shown this in a couple of videos now, but just how elite he was down the final eight games where they went more 12 personnel for about the final five games. And then Gerald Everett was injured in there for part of those games. I'll just put up my tweet that I've been putting up in about one or two previous videos. If you've been watching for a while now, you've probably seen this tweet already, but for a lot of the new faces, this is just pretty much how good Tyler Higby was down the stretch. You can see he pretty much ranked either first, second or third in every single significant category when it comes to fantasy points, red zone usage, just receptions and targets, overall usage for tight ends last year. He absolutely started to explode. Josh Reynolds in 2019 who they've already come out and said, and it's pretty clear that you can see this in three wide receiver sets. He'll be the number three receiver with no more Brandon Cooks. Now I do think Van Jefferson will have a decent amount of playing time and snaps, but just in general, in the past years under Sean McVay, they really do run a tight three wide receiver set rotation. Now, maybe that's just because they've had talented players like Brandon Cooks. And now if Josh Reynolds comes in and doesn't play that well, it's easier to actually get a fourth receiver on the field. I do think that that makes some sense, but Reynolds last year saw a 7.3% target share, only caught 21 to 43 targets, but that's because he was the wide receiver four on this team. He ended up seeing 15.5 yards per reception, which was 15th in the league. So a little bit of a deep threat type of a player. And that's why they expect him to try and take on this Brandon Cooks type role. Now the rookie Van Jefferson out of college was maybe a luxury pick for them that they didn't need to take since they need offensive line help and definitely defense help. But Van Jefferson, if you're just looking at this right now, he played at Florida for four years. Last year, he played 26.2% of his snaps out of the slot. He saw 2.00 yards per route run, which is just very kind of meh, 13.4 yards per reception. But his stat line was a 15% target share, got 49 of 69 targets for 657 yards and six touchdowns. Now he doesn't have a reported 40 time. He's about six, two and 200 pounds. So he can take on this Josh Reynolds type role if such starts to struggle, but I don't expect that to happen right out of the gate. So based on all of this stuff, I do like Cooper cup a good amount, but I just don't like him as much as the field right now. So it makes it seem like I hate the guy, but he's still a top 20 wide receiver for me. And I do think Jared Goff in this offense can sustain two top 20 wide receivers as they have been doing for really the past two or three years. So give me Cooper cup. But don't give me him at the top 12 pick. He's likely not going to get right now where I'm drafting to the draft spot where I would be feel comfortable taking him as my 18th receiver off the board, and that's fine for me because I think I'm getting value in other spots, and I think you're overpaying for Cooper Cup if you are drafting him as a top 12 or even top 15 wide receiver. Before we get into my number 19 wide receiver on the board behind me, I want to let you know about my draft guide. A lot of people are asking. It's going to be probably $30. The site's going to launch, but if you want it for 66% off right now, I'm teaming up with Monkey Knife Fight. They're going to be sponsoring the draft guide. It'll be linked down below, or you can use right now the promo code SALFREE. We're build, we're building a landing page for it right now. The draft guide will be out in a couple of weeks, but pretty much if you use that, you'll get it for 66% off. If you deposit on Monkey Knife Fight, they'll let me know via your email that you did it. And then once the draft guide is done, I'll send you an email and say, here you go. Here's your free signup. But we're going to have rankings, tiers, all that stuff, player profiles, a bunch of stats. I'm very excited for it. been putting a ton of work into it. A lot of analysis is going to be there. The site is being sculpted right now by my designer. So I'm excited for that. So check it out if indeed you are interested. Now let's get into my number 19 wide receiver, Tyler Lockett. Now Tyler Lockett last year was good. And I think he's been outproducing where people take him for most years. Now he's currently going at wide receiver 20, which I think is maybe a value by the time the season comes. He's right now my wide receiver 19. Last year, he had 82 receptions for over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. He saw a 22.3% target share, but in the red zone as a smaller receiver, he really made his due at 27.4% as just a guy coming out at 180 pounds and 5'10 in height. Now he plays much bigger and he saw 17 red zone receptions, which was second in the league. His catch percentage was 74.5%, which was fourth in the league. And I'll pop up Heath Cummings tweet right now. You can see that nobody in the league outside of Michael Thomas currently has a better catch percentage than Tyler Lockett. He's just a very efficient receiver and not just that aspect but a ton of different aspects 14.7 fantasy points per game last year and his rating when targeted one of the most efficient quarterbacks tied to him in NFL history if not the most efficient when it comes to Russell Wilson was fifth in the league last year when he was targeted by his quarterback and he was 11th in fantasy points per target which is a very hard category to get into that spot you usually need some touchdowns which he had the eight there so good to see Tyler Lockett another efficient season and really had a fantastic year now if you're drafting him this year you kind of have to bank on that efficiency continuing and will it I'll pop up Matt Jeski's tweet right now Tyler Lockett last year only saw a 21% target share. And now if you're not familiar with target shares, 20% is usually like, okay, starting to see some targets. 25% is like, okay, this is really good. 30% is elite territory, like that 28 to 30% range. So Tyler Lockett was a wide receiver one out there battling with DK Metcalf the second half of the season, but he was only seeing 21% of the target share because this team like the one spread the ball around a good amount in between the 20s. And two, they just don't throw in an overwhelming amount because you can see just 28% of his team's air yards at 1,364. They throw the ball deep, like he had a good amount of deep targets himself, but they don't throw the ball over all a ton. Russell Wilson is very efficient. Maybe Russell Wilson only throws the ball 32 times per game instead of some quarterbacks throwing it 38 to 40 times per game. But like Matt says right here, he was still able to turn that into over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns, a great catch percentage and 82 receptions on not having a ton of overall volume to work with. He turned it into the best that he could, which means that he was very efficient on his opportunities. Now he was tied to one of the most efficient quarterbacks last year and has been throughout his NFL career in Russell Wilson, who once again was very, very efficient. I mean, if you're talking about just upside, he threw the ball deep, the third most in the league at 83 times, he had the second most red zone attempts. Just in general, he was top six in uh, yards. He was second in overall touchdowns when you factor in his three rushing touchdowns with 34. He was the number one clean pocket passer. He was top five in true passer rating. He was up there in red zone percentages. He was just fantastic as he has been, and that's why he was an MVP candidate for the first 10 to 12 weeks of the season until Lamar went absolutely nuclear to close out the season. Now, I'll pop up what the Seahawks did in the off season. They did add a lot to their offense. Greg Olson, a veteran, Philip Dorsett, a veteran, another receiver on the outside. They really still have this wide receiver three void. They try to fill it with Josh Gordon last year. We kind of all know how that went, but now they have Philip Dorsett that they're going to try and fill it with. They still have David Moore out there. So the wide receiver three spots kind of up in the air. They have a ton of tight ends now when it comes to Greg Olson, Will Disley, Jacob Hollister. So there are spots for this wealth to be distributed, but Tyler Lockett is such a good wide receiver and an alpha that I don't think you have to use the narrative too many mouths to feed here for Tyler Lockett because he's going to get his. And just adding on to the tight ends, they draft Colby Parkinson in the draft in the fourth round, another tight end, and then Steven Sullivan in the seventh round. I mean, this team is just loading up on tight ends. The Bears get knocked having so many tight ends, but the Seahawks, they're they're trying to load up just as many tight ends right now. Durability of Tyler Lockett. You should feel pretty safe about him. In 2016, he fractured his tibia and fibula on the same injury. It was week 16. So he missed the week 17, the rest of week 16. So the rest of the year, but that was the only time that he missed games during his career. So he's been very healthy since then, which is good to see his target competition will be DK Metcalf will be Greg Olson, Philip Dorsett, David Moore, and Will Disley. And you could add in all the other tight ends on this team right now. But with that being said, DK Metcalf, I'll pop up his profile that I have. These are the types of profiles that you're going to be finding. On the website and the draft guide for pretty much a ton of receivers, like probably the top 25 running backs, top 30 or 25 receivers, a bunch of tight ends, a bunch of all the rookies, all like 40 or 50 rookies, a bunch of quarterbacks. You can check that all out down below. You can see DK last year, he started to out target Lockett the second half of the year by one. He led the entire league last year in end zone targets. Overall, he had 58 receptions, 900 yards, and seven touchdowns. And I honestly think DK Metcalf, out of all the receivers in the league ready to take a breakout year, I think in like two or three years from now, DK Metcalf could be a top two receiver in the entire league or top five receiver in the entire league i think he's that special and that good in that alpha of a wide receiver build and profile under him they acquired philip dorsett from the new england patriots who had 29 receptions on 54 targets only a 13.1 percent target share but he did see five touchdowns last year in 11 games and then greg olson the veteran tight end from the panthers caught 52 balls he saw a 15.5 percent target share it bumped up to 23 percent in the red zone ended up seeing two touchdowns on 81 targets. So I am concerned with Tyler Lockett when it comes to DK Metcalf's role, but I think there's still enough there for Tyler Lockett, and he'll be seeing enough targets 100 plus this year for him to, as long as he stays efficient and Russell Wilson stays efficient, continue to produce in this sort of a manner. Big old subscribe button popped up. Hit the like button. appreciate your time doing that. Now let's get into our final wide receiver right now on the board in terms of my top 20, and that is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers, Keenan Allen. Now Keenan Allen last year played 16 games. He saw the second most receptions in the league at 104. He had 1,190 receiving yards and six touchdowns on 150 targets, which was the fifth most targets in the entire league. His yardage, 1199, was also the fifth most receiving yards in the entire league. He saw 26% target share and 25% red zone target share. So he had that pretty high red zone target share. He had 14 red zone receptions, which ranked sixth in the league. He saw 16.3 fantasy points per game, which ranked eighth, and then 11.5 yards per reception. I, I point I point this out because that was 74th in the league. So he was just getting all out of his production on overall volume. And that can be seen by his 150 targets and 104 receptions. Now, he was tied to Philip Rivers, the man who's just going to chuck the ball, especially when this team is trailing, which was happening often last year, especially in some fluky losses, which is just the Chargers way at this point. But he was 10th in overall pass attempts per game. He was 7th in overall attempts in the entire season, Philip Rivers was. He saw 84 red zone attempts, which was 5th in the league. And then he ended up being top 5 in categories in borderline top 5 in deep balls, and overall yardage, and things like overall passing distance he was top 3 in. Pretty much he was just chucking the ball around the field at this point. So a lot of people started to see benefits from this. Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry when he came back. He saw, mike williams crashing a thousand yards on some crazy yards per reception numbers of like 20 plus and then you see keenan allen just absolutely dominating as a wide receiver one alpha on this team now it's obviously going to be transitioning to tyrod taylor who is more mobile who does not check down as much in his career but does put up good fantasy points for himself and does support his supporting cast a good amount when it comes to producing fantasy points but will it be at that such high efficiency number especially last year philip rivers when it comes to just overall volume of passing? I don't think so. Another thing to point out is that Keenan Allen is in a contract year. It's his final year of a four-year, $45 million deal that he ended up seeing $20.6 million guaranteed in. He is due $10.5 million in base salary this year, and he will be a $12.65 million cap hit. So Keenan Allen is playing for his next contract at this point. He's not old. He's 28 years old. So Keenan Allen, he probably has another two to four year contract in him. Something like that. He's very young. I mean, he's in his late twenties, but he's just been in the league for so long and dominating for a good stretch of time since his last injuries, that he is in a spot where he can capitalize if he has another good year on a good contract. I'll put up with the Chargers in the offseason. They really revamped their offensive line, getting Brian Belaga from the Packers. They got Donald Parm, a tight end, the former XFL star, in my opinion, the best player in the XFL. They lost Rivers and Melvin Gordon, two of their veterans that have been on the team for a little while. They traded Russell Okun actually for Trey Turner, their other piece on their offensive line, which I think is an upgrade. And then in the NFL draft, they get their future quarterback. They get a nice running back out of UCLA, Joshua Kelly, in the fourth round. I think he'll actually be a factor this year. And then they get two late round wide receivers in KJ Hill out of Ohio State. And Joe Reed out of Virginia, who we'll talk about a little later, but I really, really like Joe Reed. Now, the durability of Keenan Allen, he is the definition of this guy's injury prone until the guy's just not. He turned from injury prone to Mr. Consistent, right? In 2015, he misses eight games with a kidney laceration, freak injury. In 2016, he misses 15 games with an ACL tear, a freak injury at the time. It's not tied to his kidney, but then since then, nothing, right? The last three years since then. He's just played in every single game. He's been injury prone at one point in his career to now Mr. Consistent. So it's great to see that for Keenan Allen. You can see Matt Harmon's tweet here just showing how consistent Keenan Allen really has been. He finished at or above the 93rd percentile in success rate versus man coverage. So just his route running is elite. The man is absolutely a stud route runner, like Matt Harmon says right here over the last four years. And then he finished above these 87th percentile in three of those four seasons, which just means he was one of the top players in the entire league when it came to succeeding against man coverage and press coverage. And that's a testament to his route running in his ability as a wide receiver. Now the target competition, there are going to be a ton of mouths to feed out here. But again, Keenan Allen is a stud receiver like Tyler Lockett. I'm not concerned with a ton of mouths to feed a mantra. You have Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, and Joe Reed. Mike Williams, again, he broke 1,000 yards last year. He was eighth in deep targets in the league with 20. seven deep targets on a 16.5% target share. He caught 49 balls for thousand and one yards and two touchdowns. Oh man, that touchdown regression hit him in a major way going from double digits to just two touchdowns. Under Henry missed some games. He came back and he ended up seeing an 18.1% target share. He was fifth among all tight ends in terms of route percentage at 73.9% and he saw 12.3 fantasy points per game, which was eighth among tight ends, catching 55 of 76 targets for five touchdowns in 652 yards. Austin Eckler, who saw an amazing role, even with Melvin Gordon out there, still seeing 108 targets. 92 receptions and 993 yards 6.8 targets per game but here's the thing Philip Rivers is not out there Philip Rivers and Drew Brees are literally like top three in the entire league of the NFL and checking it down to their running backs checking it down to their wide receivers and tight ends when it comes to the screen game Austin Eckler if anything in my opinion takes the biggest hit from not having Philip Rivers this year Keenan Allen is surely up there but I think it goes Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Hunter Henry as guys who are going to be taking a major hit this year in terms of just overall volume of passing in that short to intermediate range. And then lastly, Joe Reed, the wide receiver who I like. They don't have a wide receiver three here, right? Andre Patton last year, who's still on the team right now, was awful. The guy just couldn't get separation. He wouldn't even catch a ball. They wouldn't even look his way. Now you get Joe Reed out of Virginia, who played there for four years, and I like the guy. He played the slot a ton, 63.2% of the time in 2019 versus only 59% of the time in 2018. He played on special teams and he was elite in that area. He saw a 22.3% target on 110 targets last year, caught seven touchdowns and brought in 78 receptions. So I do like what he can provide as a wide receiver three in this offense. Now it all comes down to what can Tyrod Taylor do for this offense and can he sustain all these mouths? And I don't think that he can, but when the cream rises to the top, it is Keenan Allen up there at the top of this. And I think that he's the guy who will continue to benefit the most as a slot receiver, as somebody that Tyrod can trust, as somebody that doesn't get affected if Tyrod scrambles as much like an Austin Eckler, or maybe even a Hunter Henry will. But with that all being said, I can't rank him as right now where Keenan Allen's going as the 17th receiver off the board. He'll be my number 20 receiver off the board, and I'll likely miss on him more than I'll have him this year. So that's where I'm at right now with my top 20 receivers. Please do take a second to hit the subscribe button. Right now, I'm going to actually pop up the comments of the day. It's from James Ransom. If you want to get on these, all you have to do is comment something, and I will prioritize the podcast reviews, the Sal Vetri Show on Apple. So if you're listening on the podcast right now, or you want to have your comment shouted out, just go over there and leave a review. Those are going to be prioritized. But the comment section right now says, some say better late than never. With that being said, I just want to say thanks to Sal after the 2019 season ended. I started playing Daily Fantasy, and with some help from your DFS Device that is daily fantasy sports videos. I got a good chunk of change, not to mention tying for 90th place in a big tournament of 125,000 entries. Nice job, James. He says, appreciate your hard work, Sal, And I'm thinking of starting my own channel. If you have any tips, I'm all ears and appreciate anything you're willing to share. Thanks bro for all the fire videos. Thank you for the great comment. I appreciate that James. In terms of your overall finish 90th, that's fantastic. But you wanted to start a YouTube channel. I made a video. It's pinned up to right now, my YouTube channel. It's how I make a hundred thousand dollars or more or how I did and how I'm trying to double that this year or even more, uh, even with the pandemic going on you can watch that. It's pinned up in my channel trailer on my channel. I talk about a lot of tips in there instead of just regurgitating a lot of those, but it basically does come down to working a ton of hours. I work around 120 hours a week right now. No, I'm not kidding. i work from 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. right now. And that's because I'm one person. And that's because I'm starting from the ground up, not with any uh, big major company backings, trying to do this by myself so that I can sustain and keep all the profits for myself. And that's what started to happen after about a year and a half. So if you can only work 20 hours a week, yeah, it's probably going to take you a ton of years unless you team up with an actual company in the fantasy sports space. If you're in a position where you can go all in on something, which I was while I was in college, then yeah, you can accelerate the process if you're good at it, if you're business savvy when it comes to sales, setting up a business, understanding how businesses work, marketing and sales, the biggest things of any type of business, right? And just being good on camera in this industry, your content has to deliver. I think podcasting is behind video right now. And then blogging is behind all of those when it comes to actually getting your personality and building a huge audience fast. I talk about a lot more in that video. Overall, it really just comes down to how much you're willing to work is how quick the success will come to you. So that's for Matt. Thank you for the comment, James. I appreciate that. Please do check out the draft guide. It is going to be out in a couple of weeks, but you can pre-sign up for 66% off and get into the discord. If you have any questions about that, get in there just in general, it's growing right now. I really am excited for that. My name is Sal Vetri. Hit that big old like button before you go, hit that big old subscribe button before you go, and I will see you all in the next one.